The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 248 of the world's most dangerous podcast. It's an emergency edition of the podcast. I'm Chad Dotson. Joining me today, again, Jason Linden. Another emergency podcast. Jason, are you ready for this? I am ready. The name of this podcast is Always Sunny in Cincinnati. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> Very clever. Always for the next four to five years. Exactly. At, at least four to five years. And what we're talking about, of course, is uh, trade just announced uh, earlier today. Sonny Gray has been traded to Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Reds, not not the Bengals or FC Cincinnati. Uh, or the University of Cincinnati. He's been traded to the Cincinnati Reds in a deal with the New York Yankees. And it, it, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's sort of go through uh, what we got and, um, you know, uh, what the Reds had to give up and what we think about this trade. Of course, Sonny Gray is a right-handed pitcher. He uh, will be 29 years old this year. I don't believe he's turned 29 just yet. Yeah, he just turned 29. Uh, so he'll be 29 throughout the uh, 2019 season. He is uh, immediately uh, in the Reds' rotation, one would think. He, in exchange, the Reds dealt Shed Long, second, prospect second baseman. Good prospect, nice-looking prospect, a guy yep. that's probably going to play in the big leagues. Um, and they also traded a, a competitive balance first-round draft pick, going to fall somewhere between 36 and 38. should also mention that the Reds are going to be receiving left-handed pitcher Reaver San Martin as well, a minor leaguer, who I think made it to double-A last year, minor leaguer from Columbia. So there's your deal. Sonny Gray and San Martin, Reaver San Martin for Shed Long and a competitive balance first-round draft pick. Now, yesterday on Twitter, a bunch of people were saying, oh, I'm not going to give up a, a draft pick plus Shed Long for Sonny Gray. And the reason for that was that Sonny Gray only had uh, one year left on his contract. And uh, I think we both said, okay, let's just let's wait till the details come out before we start getting upset about this. And it turns out the Reds uh, signed Sonny Gray to an extension as a condition of this trade. Three years, $30.5 million, uh, that covers three years after this year. So the Reds have him signed, sealed, and delivered for four years. And then there's a club option for 2023 at uh, $12 million. So basically, an average annual value here of nine and a half million per year. The Reds have him for at least four years. Jason, I've uh, I've sort of set the stage here. Are you ready to tell me what you, your initial reaction is to the deal that brings Sonny Gray to Cincinnati? I am ready. Should I do this now? Now is the moment where everyone is eagerly anticipating. I am in. I like this. I think that this is a good trade. Um, I especially like it given the extension. Because what the extension says to me is that the Reds, who in this instance, you know, because of the pitching coach connection and all that, this is an, 
an, and sort of like underlined instance of them having information that we don't have. But it says to me that, that Sonny Gray is, is primed to have a really nice bounce back year and, and to, to kind of hopefully overcome the struggles of the last, uh, of his last season. And if that is the case, then, you know, then this ends up looking like a really excellent deal. Well, and the reason why is because Sonny Gray at, at one time was an outstanding, uh, one of the better pitchers in the American League. You know, had a really good run starting at age 23 for the Oakland Athletics. And then, of course, uh, last year uh, had some struggles in his last full year with Oakland. And then had some struggles last year away from home mostly, but had some struggles or had some struggles at home with the Yankees uh, at Yankee Stadium. Um, but he's got this, you know, just uh, getting ready to do his age 29 season here. And yeah, Dick Williams uh, had an interview, a couple of interviews since the trade. And he said, he said, listen, yes, uh, one thing is Derek Johnson, who was is our new pitching coach and who uh, was Sonny Gray's pitching coach in college. Uh, he thinks thinks extremely highly highly of uh, Sonny Gray. He also said though that scouting report this was a, a kind of a scouting report analytics play as well in that uh you know everything looks healthy with this guy. Uh yeah. some some of the analytics and I'm going to let you talk about some of that cuz you dug into a little bit of it uh, I know earlier today but also saw that his whiff rates are really good on uh his off-speed pitches. Uh his not on his fastball last year but uh, they think that he's a great bounce back candidate, and that's what I've been saying for a while. They said all their scouting reports, plus what Derek Johnson thinks of him, is uh, they're high on on the on the chance that he's going to bounce back. And if he bounces back, this becomes a great deal. Um, I thought it was interesting. Derek Johnson said, or uh, Dick Williams said that before Sonny Gray signed this deal, that he and uh, that Derek Johnson and Sonny Gray had a. Um, <laughs> long some long conversations about the directions the direction that the reds are going in and that sort of sealed the deal for uh for Sunday Gray to sign that extension so um i, I think he's a, you know I, if he doesn't bounce back okay we'll we'll address this trade uh in a couple of years but man if he does bounce back and there are some indicators that he's a good candidate for that it starts to look really good doesn't it yeah, it really does. I mean, I just kind of went, as, as you referenced, poking around this morning, just kind of looking into numbers. And, and you know, there's there's this idea out there that Yankee Stadium really ruined Sonny Gray or something. And I looked at it, and he has made 15 starts at Yankee Stadium since the Yankees acquired him. I didn't go back and look at all his starts at Yankee Stadium when he was with the A's. But since the Yankees acquired him, he's made 15 starts at home. And seven of those were what you would class as bad starts. Um and that really just seems like, I mean, basically what we're talking about, especially if we're talking about last season, we're really talking about, like, when you when I look into the game log, we're talking about five bad games that he had. And also looking at his game log, which I, I found was really interesting, was that in almost every other start, he was lights out. He had, out of his 23 starts last year, he had 11 where he allowed two runs or fewer out of 23, and then he had four starts where he allowed three or four runs, and then he had those handful of bad starts. I think there are one or two mediocre ones out there, you know, the kind of like six or seven innings where you give up a few runs at the end, and, and your line ends up looking bad, but it wasn't like a terrible start. But anyway, the point is that really, when you add to that the fact, like, the only peripheral that looks bad to me is his, his walks were up last year. 
But there are other random things, like his batting average on balls in play was 326 last year, which is just much higher than his career rates. There's just a lot of stuff that just looks like it was just like a weird year, like players have sometimes, and that we should probably expect him to bounce back. It does. It looks like uh, sort of an anomaly in some ways, and maybe it's not. Maybe there's a reason. Uh, players do uh, fall off the, the cliff. But, man, you look at a guy that was an all-star at age 25 that really was an effective big league pitcher at age 23, and and you think uh, more than an effective, uh, a well-above-average big league pitcher at age 23. You know, I, I guess if you're going to – hope is not a strategy. Someone pointed out to me on, on Twitter uh, that I'm always saying that, and hoping he bounces back is not a good strategy. And I agree. I don't think it, it, when we go into looking at how, and we're going to talk a little bit about next year's rotation, we don't need to put Sonny Gray as a number two guy or a number one guy just because we hope he bounces back. We've got to be realistic. Um, but on the other hand, there are some indicators that make you think he can be a, a, a two guy at least. And if that happens, this is going to end up being an extremely cost-effective deal uh, for potentially five seasons of Sonny yeah. Gray. And, and, and I mean, really, they, they they just got him for his 29 through age 33, if they want the age 33 seasons. And that is, uh, that's not bad. Well, it's, it's not bad. Um, if he's just an average pitcher for those years, he's likely to earn, uh, earn out that contract. A bargain if he's an average pitcher. <laughs> right, if he's just average. Well, he only has to, I think I saw, he only has to, uh, if you look at the averages, it's for, for the length of this contract, Nine point five million average annual value. He essentially has to accumulate four point three wins above replacement over the entire yeah length of the contract. And I think it's you know unless he his arm breaks or he turns into Homer Bailey, it, it's gonna he's gonna be worth four point three wins above replacement. And there's a chance that he's gonna be worth worth well more than that. Yeah, yeah. I and you know to to segue a little bit here. You you mentioned the whole rotation. I did the math kind of after this trade went through and, and kind of as it was going through. And if this rotation basically only does what the projection systems think that they will do, the projection systems that are out right now, then this Reds team is 10 wins better than it was last year. That's a lot of wins. And, and the projection systems, as we all know, are not built on hope. And that's just for the rotation. That's not accounting for... You know the 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 outfielder acquisitions and all of that kind of stuff. That's just from the starting rotation. If they do what the projection systems, which tend to be very sort of regressed toward the mean kind of things, uh, think they will do, then this is a team that is ten wins better than it was last year, just on starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, <laughs> if the Reds are done, and I do want to address that as well. If, if the Reds are done right now. On, on the pitching side of it, at least, it's a lot better rotation. It's not the rotation you and I've been begging for. We don't no. have that high end guy, the Kaiko right. or the Kluber that we, you and I've been begging for. But it's better, and and I think it's significantly better. I mean, we're talking about your fifth starter now is going to be Anthony Discalfani or Tyler Malley. Yeah, and I think if if you'd have told me at the end of last season that Discalfani is going to be your fifth starter. And Malley may be on the outside looking in at least early. I would have taken that. Now they've gone out and gotten a bunch of number three guys, but yeah. there's value in number three guys. That's not the high end value we wanted, but but they're better, and that's something, right? No, that is something. And I mean, I would still maintain that Alex Wood is really a true number two. No, I agree. I think yeah, based I agree. on results, so they they basically got a number two, 
And then they've got like four number threes, it looks like to me. I mean, I think DiScofani, when he's healthy, is a three. Um, oh, sure. Ro- so, Roark's a th- a, a, almost the perfect definition, Tanner Roark, of a number three. Yeah. Um, and, Sonny Gray's maybe a four if he's like he was last year, or a two if he's like he was before that. So, Or a one if he's like he was. Or a one, right, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's intriguing. And we're not even talking about Luis Castillo. No, who we've said for uh, you know eighteen months now is a, an ace in waiting, and I you know he may not be an ace, but it, it again hope is not a strategy. But you don't have to squint very hard to see him being a number two guy next year. I, I think the thing about this rotation, and it is the thing that is extremely comforting, is that it is a rotation that currently has a very high floor and also a very high ceiling. It's a great way to put it. So. I have a, I mean, unless something just insane happened, I have a hard time imagining this rotation ending up significantly below league average. But it doesn't take much for me to imagine it as you know, it clicks for one or two guys and it becomes one of the one of the best rotations in the NL. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to uh, bet the ranch on that, but it's also no. not completely insane as uh, yeah. most things you say are completely insane. But that one wasn't. Most, most. Yeah. I got, I got to throw something rational in there every now and again. <laughs> I appreciate that. Sick. Yeah, I just, I, you look at. Uh, I don't like the fact that Tyler Malley's maybe on the outside looking in early on, in, in a vacuum because I love Tyler Malley. We're both high on him. Yeah. But the Reds are going to need more than five pitchers, and some of these guys that are going to be, you know, six, seven, eight, uh, you know, the the Cody Reeds and the and the Tyler Malleys and the Sal Romanos, you know. The, if somebody from that group starts to figure it out, then okay, you've got some more depth, and uh, in it's easier to project what to do in 2020 and beyond. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I just I think and in theory I'll having say- Sonny Gray is a great thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's going to be what we hope he will be, but I don't think there's anything. I can't see anything negative with this acquisition. Although I do want to talk about what they gave up for him to get your perspective on that. Yeah, I, I just want to say that um, I don't mind Tyler Molly as as the six starter right now because I, I did a piece for Red Lake Nation back a while ago where I just went through and looked at the math and and the average major league team needs ten or eleven starting pitchers throughout the season, so it's not like Tyler Molly's not going to get his chance. Like yes. he'll get his innings, um, and then with a couple of one year guys, it kind of sets the stage for you know if he performs when he gets a shot, and I, I think he will then you kind of comfortably and easily slot him in for the next year. So he gets kind of one more year to, to get his feet wet where there maybe isn't so much pressure and he is still rather young, but then he'll be, uh, he'll be ready to go um, come, come 2020. Before we start talking about shed long, I want to circle back to something that Dick Williams said, because it's uh, exactly what you're saying there, which is that if we couldn't get this deal done for the extension, with uh, Sonny Gray, that they were going to walk away. And the reason they were going to do that was uh, they didn't want three guys in the rotation who are going to be gone, that can walk at the end of the year. Uh, just too much uncertainty there. So they thought we could do two, and they did two. And I think yeah. you know Tanner Rourke and Alex Wood, love those guys. Um, but they didn't want three. And so if you've got two guys that may, that may walk, then you've essentially got three guys that are going to be back. You know what yeah. you've got. And then you've got this group of young pitchers who we were counting on last year to step up. Now, if any of them do step up, there's two spots for them going forward, potentially. I mean, if they don't sign 
you know, Alex Wood, for example, to an extension, which I'm still hopeful that that works out. But um, so it's a chance for any of these guys still have a chance. But the Reds will have this year where they're going to have uh, at least an average rotation instead of what we've been watching the last three or four years. Um, I guess it's easier to figure out which one of those guys to plug in going forward because we're not going to be losing games in the meantime. Does that make sense, the way I'm putting that? Yeah, I mean, it really is very much now. The Reds can take kind of a show-me approach with the young pitchers. Um, like, you think you belong in the big leagues? Prove it. Yeah. And if you don't, somebody else waiting for that one spot that you're currently taking up. Right. And if they go into ne- the next offseason with, you know, two, these two other two guys walking, Wood and Roark, there's two spots there. If nobody's earned it, well, the Reds are going to have a pile of money to go out and do this again, basically. But yeah. um, I don't know, just it, a lot of flexibility still. And uh, but it's still an opportunity for some of those younger guys. Um, let's talk about uh, Shed Long because I think let's we both talk. like Shed Long. And, uh, yeah, what's not to like about Shed Long? Right, Shed Long will be a big league second baseman. I, I believe that. Um, he probably wasn't ever going to be a big league second baseman in Cincinnati. Probably not. No, unless I mean the only circumstance would have been if Nick Senzel got traded, and even then, even then he has Jonathan India maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, coming up behind him, and then well, there's still the scooter thing. But um, so Shedlong's probably not gonna not gonna be a a big league player in Cincinnati, but he will be somewhere. He's a good player. It's not fun giving up Shedlong, but you know, I'm not I don't, I'm not losing my mind over that. Giving up this competitive balance draft pick does that bother you some? That's gonna, probably going to be a pretty good prospect that gets drafted in that spot, thirty six to thirty eight. Yeah. I mean, but also kind of meh. Um, you know, actually, what I'm pretty happy about right now is that I could be wrong, but you know, I, we'll probably talk about what Dick Williams, what else he said here in a second. But I don't get the impression the Reds are going to be out there trying to make more like big trades. So it means that they've improved the team as much as they have, and they still have all of their high end prospects. <laughs> you stepped on what I was going to say, Jason, but continue. But yeah, so I mean, they still got Sinzel, they still got Tramel, they still got Hunter Green, they still got Jonathan India. Like, I mean, you gave up Shed Long, and that's that's rough. But boy, that if that's to to, to get to improve as much as the Reds improved, and the the biggest piece you had to give up was Shed Long. Boy, that that feels awfully good. We can argue about whether you know this particular deal was good or that deal was good, or should they have gone this direction or whatever. But I don't think you can argue. Uh, and if you can, you'll argue with me. I know. I don't think you can argue that the Reds are not much better now than they were three months ago. They're so much better. I mean, they have improved this team. And kudos to Nick Crawl and Dick Williams and the whole team. They have absolutely improved the team. And then, if you'd have told me they would have improved this much, I guess, three months ago, but they wouldn't have given up any of their top seven prospects, I'd have been over the moon. So, so you know, I, I wanted the Reds to do the big deal. I don't know that it's going to get done. We'll talk a little bit more about what Dick Williams said about that in just a moment. Um, but if this is all they do, you know, kudos to them. I've been waiting how long for an offseason like this. And uh, yeah. and they still have so much flexibility. Yeah, they really do. To do other I mean, things. The impression seems to be that they can still add payroll even. I think, as, if I understand it correctly, the Reds are at 120 now. Hundred twenty yeah, million. Yeah. Well, you know, we were sort of uh, working under the impression that it might get up to one thirty, one thirty-five. I think that was sort of a consensus. Yeah. If that happens, you know, where does that where does that other money go? 
I don't know. I mean, indications are that they're they're still looking for an outfielder, right? That seems yeah. to be what the focus is now. Yeah, let me let me run through uh, what Dick Williams had to say. Okay. Um, he did a couple of interviews just after the trade was announced, and I took some notes, and I thought there was some interesting stuff there. He did say that this probably takes us out of the high-end pitching market right now in terms of uh, – it's unlikely they're going to go after any uh, big-time pitcher with a really high average annual value, uh, which makes you think Keuchel, and we're thinking $20 million a year, that type of thing. To me, is yeah. the way it sounded. So I still want them to go out and get Keuchel. I still wish they'd go out and spend the money to get him, but um, probably not going to happen right now. I don't know about Kluber because that's a different situation. Um, that would have to be a trade situation, yeah. But uh, I, would, I would not be surprised if this is the uh, – essentially the pitching staff. Uh, but he, but Dick Williams did say, we still very much plan to improve the club. Uh, still looking for, at pitching. You never know when a deal is going to pop up. Uh, or And he says they're monitoring the free agent market as well, uh, both for pitching and for uh, center field specifically is what he, what he indicated. Um, let's see. We were going to walk away if we didn't get an extension done. I thought that was interesting. Um, he he said specifically, I didn't think there was any way we'd get we'd improve the roster this much without giving up top prospects. I think he's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. But he said several times there are still things on our to do list. Um, and, but we're in a position where we're only going to do deals that we really like. Uh, so you know, uh, center field. You know, maybe a guy like AJ Pollock. Again, I'm dreaming a little bit. That's probably your best. Uh, well. Well, there's no other center, real center fielder out there right now, right? Like on the on the, free, the free agent, agent market. market, no. Unless you want to call Bryce Harper a center fielder, which is not really anymore. Right, and also not on <laughs> the Reds are not in on that. Oh, but can you imagine? Um, so, I mean, I, I got to think the Reds probably could afford Pollock, right? Like based on the way the market has been. Yes, yes, I, and I think that's maybe the key is that the way that, that the Reds may. Because, you know, I know you had a piece this week, and we don't really need to get into it much today. We will on a future podcast. But um, the way owners are spending their money now, um, the the money ball play here might be to spend on a free agent. Cause, yeah. Because maybe it's undervalued at this point, you know. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, so I feel like – and, I, you know, I was thinking about this because he mentioned center field. And I'm like, well, if they got Pollock, then, I mean, Scott Shebler is your fourth outfielder then. And Matt Kemp's your fifth outfielder. Yeah. And, I mean, you can do a whole lot worse than Scott Shevler is your fourth outfielder. You can do a whole lot worse than Philip Irvin is your sixth outfielder. Golly. Or you and can... then, you know, then I started, like, running. Like, doesn't Cleveland need outfielders? Isn't that their deal? That's Supposedly, that's what they've been saying. So then I'm like, well, one then they could work a deal with Cleveland and send all of these mediocre outfielders to Cleveland for Kluber, you know, because Cleveland would 100% do that. All right, yeah. <laughs> Let's send Shebler and Kemp for Kluber. That, that's a that's like a, a George Costanza level trade proposal right there. But <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> oh, why trade Jay Buna? Yes, um, or you know, even thinking smaller, you can move some of those guys for a, a reliever that helps uh, you know uh, fill in somewhere. You know, uh, 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 you know, they're just it gives you some more flexibility. They've they've got a, a roster that's really interesting at that point. They've got a roster that's interesting, and even right now, a roster that I think is really pretty crowded. It is. I mean, like I, I feel like twenty three or twenty two or twenty three spots on the lost roster are pretty well locked up right now. Yes, 
and and there were a lot of names there that were not uh, Reds just a few yeah. months ago, which is a good thing. Um, so it's it's interesting time to be a Reds fan in a way that I did not expect. You know, boy, I, I don't think I've ever been less optimistic than I was in a, about May first of last year, mm-hmm. um, and and the, the turnaround has just been remarkable. Well. You know, again, we can argue the details on some of these trades and uh, acquisitions this uh, off season, but uh, I think that when you look at the entire picture, which includes hiring David Bell and all these coaches they've signed, and we just you know we had our little Cody Atkinson moment on our last podcast. You know, um, it's a different organization than we had, th- you know, three four months ago. Really, it, it it they have completely changed my level of confidence in uh, the guys running this organization. And uh, I'm sort of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt at this point because it's it's really impressive what they've done to reshape everything about this organization just in a few short months. Am I overstating it there? No, I don't think you are. I mean, this is, I mean, I, this is, this is the, the organization that I've wanted to be a fan of, yeah. you know? They're trying. Yeah, they are trying, and, and that matters a lot. That's what I said on Twitter. I said, you know, we can argue the details, but there's no question that the, whatsoever that the Reds are better now than they were three months ago. And then I said, that's all I'm asking for, man. And it really is. I want a team that's yeah. interesting. I want a team that's fun, that's trying. It's not too much to ask for. I, I fully and completely and wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, right now, for me, the questions are are basically – what are their plans in the outfield, and what are their plans with Nick Senzel? Um, otherwise, I'm—I don't really have any questions. I'm just kind of interested to see how things play. Yeah, I'm willing to go. To, yeah, I want them to acquire bit more and better players. Certainly, I want them to keep, yeah. uh, especially if they can get Pollock. I mean, you know, bring it on. Yeah, I think Pollock would be a very good, a very good get. That probably is also going to be a little bit of a bargain. If he's a, if you can get him for what you think would think is a bargain, I think you go ahead and spend a little bit of money on him. I yeah. do. Um, but I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know that you heard uh, Dick Williams talking uh, with uh, Lance McAllister, but uh, he said Nick Senzel's out, out in Goodyear now taking fly balls, and uh, he's uh, Dick Williams was in Goodyear at the time he was uh, doing this interview, and he said as soon as he got there, Senzel came up to him and said, "I'm ready to play wherever you need me to play, boss." but that he's been taking uh, fly balls out there for, for a while now. Also interesting, uh, Jose Peraza's already out there. He said Sinzel and Peraza have a house. They've been out there for a while, just working. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good news. And, you know, I can, I, I might've said this on a, on a podcast before, but I think people know that I, uh, got to know Red's farmhand, uh, Hernani or in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, Hernan carries a lot of respect in the organization, and I know for a fact that he's directly worked with Senzel and, and Peraza. And that's that kind of attitude, that kind of like show up, do whatever they need you to do, play wherever they want you to play. And, uh, and I, it's, it's, it's nice to see that from, from those two young players who should be part of, part of the Reds for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, those are the young guys. And, and the Reds still have a lot of young guys that uh, we thought they were going to be moving on from. That's, to me, the most exciting thing about this offseason. Is Sonny Gray the... Uh, the guy we wanted, no, he's not the you know the number one guy we wanted. Is he? He's not the savior here. 
But you, you put it all together, everything they've acquired, and they didn't give up anything, really. I mean, you know, Shed Long is the, the best prospect they gave up, and he's a good prospect. But that's what's exciting to me is that they've improved the core of this organization in three short months. But they still have all this flexibility financially and in terms of uh, you know prospects who can either come up and help the team or can be traded. I mean, I, I just – it's – they could not have done more to get me uh, to turn my sort of feelings around in just three months. I don't think short of short of signing Dallas Keuchel in addition to all this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if there ends up being some miraculous thing. Um, yeah, but <sighs> it's exciting. Uh, so anything else you can think of? I, we, we sort of, you know, uh, we'll keep this a little short because it is an emergency podcast to just discuss this one trade and uh, I feel like uh, if there's anything we missed we'll pick it up on our next regularly scheduled podcast which will come out Friday morning as it always does but anything else you think that uh, any other points you want to make about this trade Jason no it just I'm excited now I'm excited about Reds baseball for the first time in a good while and uh, and I like it here's the question actually that I do think everyone uh, wants us to answer does this qualify as hash brown get the pitching you know, if I thought about it a couple of years ago, or a couple of years, a couple of days ago, uh, I might have said no. But having looked into things, and I think with the extension and the, and the confidence that that indicates from the organization and Sonny Gray, I'm going to say, yeah, I think they got the pitching. It's not all the pitching that we wanted. It's you know, it's not exactly what I had hoped for. Um, but I think the fact that they were able to work that extension out, I think it does qualify as uh, that they got the pitching. Now, I, I wish they could still go out and get some more pitching. It doesn't have to stop here, but if they spent their free agent dollars on AJ Pollock instead of Keuchel, I, you know, I can I can deal with that because he's going to be he costs a lot less and uh, it still helps the team. So um, I'm not going to complain. But uh, you, you know, it's you're right. I think you're right. It's it's the most excited that Reds fans should be. I think since probably twenty early 2013 or something. Yeah, I, since since 2013, I would agree. That's uh, that's six years ago, man. It feels longer. <laughs> it does feel longer. All right, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. Thanks for uh, listening to our emergency podcast as Jason Linden and I have uh, tried to break down our initial reactions to the trade that uh, the Reds just conducted with the New York Yankees to acquire Sonny Gray, uh, who will be with the Reds for at least the next uh, four years and maybe five uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. You all know all that. I'm not going to get in, into all that, but I uh, do want to ask you to tell a friend if you if you can. That's how we listeners find us. Um, Jason, any final thoughts? I don't think so, Chad. Go go Reds. I am excited for baseball to be a thing that happens. Go Reds and let it always be sunny in Cincinnati. For Jason Linden and Sunny Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.